All right, all right, all right. We are rocking and rolling. That was my Matthew McConaughey impression. I hope it was good. Fantastic. Um, welcome, everybody, to a brand new full-sized episode of... What podcast is this, Allie? Are we not going to introduce ourselves this time? Oh, shoot. <laughs> we will. We will. We're, we're, do, we're, we're reverse or recording wow. it. We're, we're doing it backwards. We are the Social Work Friends Podcast. And that's Allie. I am indeed Allie, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm Libby. Yep. And this is our podcast. Welcome. I feel like from that rocky road of an <laughs> intro, you probably wouldn't know that this is like our 13th episode or something like that. Um, and today is actually a very special episode because it marks the start of what I'm going to call the rabbit hole of trauma. It is going to be the first episode in a undetermined length of trauma episodes that might get a little deep, dark, and stressy and depressy, but we're going to pull it back out from that place. We're going to do some fun episodes too, but I think it's important to do a trauma series because little did I know that not a lot of people know stuff about trauma and it's not that widely applied to places where it needs to be applied. So in this trauma series, I'm hoping to kind of delve a little bit deeper into it and show you my uncertified self who will be certified eventually in trauma counseling. It is happening. I did sign up for the class and get that rocking and rolling. So where do we start? Where do we even start? First, we start with our Goodwill hauls, which Allie has forgotten what she bought. She bought something. I have decided that anytime I go to Goodwill, I need to immediately take a picture of whatever I buy because mm-hmm. I have too much in my brain that mm-hmm. I just cannot remember it. And yes, so that is my solution. Um, Libby is correct. I did buy stuff. I do know that. I could not for the life of you tell you what. I can't remember exactly what I bought either except for the little things that I'm looking at currently, which I it may seem like an impulse buy. And... To the mm, untrained eye, it definitely is. I can see where the impulse buy approach comes from. However, I think my little teeny tiny rack of spice jars that I'm looking at right now will make a fantastic propagation station. And so I'm going to stick by my purchase and love it because it's adorable. And they're just a bunch of little teeny tiny spice jars with little teeny tiny lids. And I got how many of them? One, two, three, four, twelve of them plus the rack for six dollars. And I feel quite accomplished by that. Um, the other thing I got is I got a mini wine decanter to go with my already full-sized wine decanters. Um, I don't use them as decanters. I use them as watering cans, but they are freaking adorable. And it took me so long to figure out what they were used for. And now I know they are wine decanters, but. I'll include a little picture of um, the propagation station once I get that rocking and rolling. And um, I will also include um, the picture of my wine decanter, aka my watering can that I absolutely love and adore. 
So, is this episode 13? Yes, you are correct. Um, what else did I get? I feel like I didn't get anything else. I kind of have decided that I have a little bit of a shopping issue. Never, I know it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. However, I am starting to do the cleanse of getting old shit out and putting new shit in and repurposing old shit. Just kind of cleaning out the clutter, you know? Like, I have I have had a weird amount of clutter going on and I'm trying to declutter, so, and organize. Um, but, other than that, I haven't really got anything. I do still have my Poshmark up with a lot of my vintage finds that I'm reselling because I either bought them to resell them or I'm not using them anymore so I'm selling them. And I have an Etsy account so I also have an Instagram account for the Nifty Mind. That's my that's my name on there on Instagram and Etsy and Poshmark I think so. Find me on there I suppose if you want to see some vintage stuff. But other than that we should probably jump right into the episode. This is, this is a late night pod. It is 9 o'clock. Yeah, it is about, about to my bedtime, yeah. Yes. We're it, getting close. We've been, we've been at this for three hours. Um, time has actually kind of flown by. I didn't realize until right now that we've been doing this for three hours. But, um, so yeah, if, if our brains seems like they've been turned to mashed potatoes, it's because they have. So... Trauma. And where are we going with trauma? Um, first I wanted to figure out where we both started learning about trauma because little did I know it's different and I just found that out. So where did you first learn about trauma? Um, I mean probably in, in college I would say. When it was actually, like, given a name. Like, I... I don't know. Like, obviously, you know that trauma's around and it's... People are experiencing it. But I don't know if you... Until you're actually, like, told this is what it is. This is what's happening. Mm -hmm. You don't really, like, cognitively understand it, I guess. Yeah. You're aware that like the things that happen have effects on people, but yeah. you don't know like what to call it. And I didn't learn what it was in college. Really? In my bachelor's degree <laughs> in psychology, I did not learn what trauma was. They never talked about it. That is peculiar. It, it is, is peculiar. Peculiar. Strange. It, it, uh, some <laughs> may say a lack in the program. I would, I would agree. Yeah. But I think I learned, I started learning about it when I did a training for my job and I was like, oh my God, this is like crack cocaine. I understand this. I get it. I want to learn more. It really was. (laughs) And so I kind of just like threw myself into it and did a whole shit ton of trauma trainings and learned a lot about it. Basically like gave myself the course on trauma, started to understand where it comes from, how it works, all that good stuff, the effects that it has, the different kinds. And just did it all because my job made those trainings available and it the one good thing the one good thing that it did in the same job uh, not we didn't do the same position but we worked for the same organization and Allie did not have a single trauma training through them 
Which is weird. Bizarre, seeing as, I know we don't like this word, but I worked with high-risk youth. Mm-hmm. At risk. Mm-hmm. Sorry. At risk youth. Well, you worked with the high end, and I Typically. worked with the mid to low But end. we also had low-risk weekends. Oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. was What was the alternative terminology that we were told? Kids at Hope. Yeah. But there's a different one in the... There we go. Opportunity. <laughs> it's like, there's a different one in the chain. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it is something that you learn when you work with at kids that are at risk of whatever because usually the thing that you're assessing has a lot to do with trauma. Mm -hmm. It has an ACE score that's incorporated into it that you don't normally necessarily like give them the ACEs assessment but like when I meet a kid and they're talking to me I'm keeping a score in my head of like Mm -hmm. what could be trauma for them for sure and what might be a trauma point and all of the different things like that and I think the job the all the trainings for my job kind of laid the foundation I did a lot of research just on my own because I thought it was so fascinating um and holy shit is it ever the holy grail of information and answers I guess and non-answers I I think too that's kind of our problem is like we have answers but we have more questions that come along with those answers um I don't know what do you think about trauma like trauma research and like what they're coming out with I don't know I just did um (laughs) (laughs) I like trying to multitask which is not always the best idea for me um I mean I think we're really moving towards having more of an awareness around trauma and acknowledging it and understanding how our experiences when we're younger and growing up really can impact the experience that we have as an, as an adult. Uh-huh. And I just, I don't know. That's just like a duh to me. Like when I, it's so bizarre that the older generations are like, oh, I didn't know that existed. And it's like, how? Like, how? It it really is bizarre. They were just so, like, blind to it. Like, I feel like we always knew it was there, even though we didn't really recognize it as trauma. Like, we knew it was there, and they just were kind of oblivious to it. And they were like, oh, this kid's just a rotten egg. They're just acting out. And it's like... No, he was abused. Actually. Pretty horrifically. Yeah, I just... That always was really weird to me, and still is, because there's still plenty of people that think that. But I, I'm glad that, especially my profession, our profession is moving away from that but mindset. But that's the thing. It's like, that's what I thought. No, we're not. No. For some reason, the places that me and you have worked in are, and are very trauma-informed... But, like, I was talking, I have weekly conversations at this point with my sister about her caseload. She is a speech and language, she's an SLPA, a speech and language pathologist assistant. She has a caseload of, like, a bajillion kids, probably, like, 50, I think, between multiple schools. And she will tell me her, like, current caseload of kids that she's working with for social and emotional 
that was a bizarre feeling. <laughs> for social and emotional problems, which apparently the school has dedicated speech and language to social and emotional problems, which is just like, what? Okay. So that's their first problem. But then she tells me how she uh, talks to other people and like they did a training and stuff like that and none of the people in the training, even though the training was on trauma, could answer any of her questions. And she gave me basically like a synopsis of the of three different kids' behaviors and I was just like, are you serious? Like n nobody can answer your question and these are trauma professionals? And I pretty much just told her like my approach to the kids and like my interpretation of their behavior and she said that it was so much more helpful than those trauma professionals and like she gives the information that I tell her to the professionals at the school and they get a lot of help from my opinions on it but it's like all my all, all we're doing is having a conversation over the phone and, and I don't consider myself a more than averagely trauma-informed person. I will be in 2023 when I get my trauma counseling certificate. However, now, actually, I'm just kidding. I know a lot about trauma. I was going to say. I know probably, I would say, more than the average person. I train treat people on trauma, like our interns and stuff like that. But I wouldn't say that I know more than, like, a professional in trauma technically i am oh god i'm talking myself in circles because i am a professional in trauma and i do know a shitload of stuff about it but like i'm not certified like this is stuff that i've learned on my own and that i've taken time to acquire the knowledge on and polish my skills on and be able to have a conversation about and the fact of the matter that nobody in this entire huge school district could tell my sister anything about trauma and these are not like super intricate difficult trauma cases these were behaviors that were very clearly trauma related and were one of the fell under one of the five functions of behavior and, and I was just like well you need to look at this and this and I can give you this pamphlet and that kind of stuff and then they told me and then she told me that one of the kids who has a pretty severe trauma response um, gets toted around in a wagon because he has a tendency to run, which is like, fine. Uh, sorry, quick break for a ambulance to go through. <laughs> um, but so I, I, in the school district that I've worked in and in the places that I've worked in, trauma-informed care has been really important, but my sister's school district that she works for is a really good example of the fact matter that trauma-informed care is not everywhere. And the schools just overall suck. The schools overall like, suck donkey dick. My, my position, like, I've had a lot of training on, not just trauma, but, like, just overall ways to help our families and that's like a big part of it is being trauma-informed like to help and support and the schools know literally fucking nothing and it's so frustrating when they like are calling on these families and just the way that they talk about them is so frustrating mm -hmm. and I'm like 
do not understand, like, what this family's going through right now. Mm-hmm. Or what the kids are going through right now. Like, it's not, it's not just this one little piece that you're seeing. Like, there's so much more going on in their home. And just, oh, they drive me nuts. Yeah, and I think it's, a, it, it's so important for social workers especially to be trauma-informed because what a family is going through when you're there is probably a form of trauma. Like, you're not being called there because it's sunshine and daisies. No. You're being called there because shit's going to hit the fan or it already hit the fan. So being trauma-informed for you is, it, it seems like a non-option, but I feel like there are... Um, like back in my hometown, there are, there's no trauma informed care in my, in the social services, um, thing there, but really disappointing. It is. And I was also talking to my cousin and she was telling me about a mental health curriculum that she's working on, which I want to bring around the pod to talk about. And do you know what ACEs are? And she's, no, I don't. Uh, so I sent her a bunch of podcasts sent the same ones to my sister of like quick ones that you can listen to that kind of give you like a foundation of like what this knowledge is and what you can do with it yeah and like why it's important to learn more and she is a school nurse and it, it also just kind of blew my mind that she's never heard of it because I mean both of these people have um degrees to whatever various extent and whatever they're doing (laughs) (laughs) they have degrees for something and neither one of them has heard of trauma but they both work in a very kid-centered setting and I don't that's not like a fault of theirs I think that's a fault of the school system that they work in but like the school district that we worked in here was very trauma-centered but as it went up in age it stopped being trauma-centered like as a high schooler you were told to fucking get over it and dust your boots off and stand up but as an elementary schooler you were well not even they really pick and choose who they're gonna be like supportive and understanding Mm -hmm. of i guess like yeah at least that's from my point of view of the school district here because some kids who are really struggling and not thriving in the school environment they were so accommodating and then other ones that they had essentially given up on, they're like, no, they're just uh, like a burden, basically, on the mm-hmm. school, and we don't want them here. They need to figure something else out. Yeah, I guess if they're tolerable in school and they can, like, breeze by under the radar, they the school is far more willing to help mm-hmm. them than the kids that are, like, more disruptive in class, which those... Disruptions in class and and getting kicked out of school for disorderly conduct or whatever is a cry for help. It really is. It's like the biggest red flag that you can send up. Yeah, I that to me is like super concerning that schools, which are like the very foundation of, of kids, do not have trauma informed care in them. A lot of them don't. And I know a lot of it has to, like, both my cousin and my sister want to bring trauma-informed care into schools. Like, they are, they are totally for it. They were not like, this is mamsy-pansy bullshit, whatever. They were like, 
I, I genuinely believe in this. I think this is really valuable information that you've given me, and I want to continue to spread it through the school, but then they get to the older people, and the older people are like, Mah, I don't give a shit, to rah, rah. and it's like, if you don't care about your job, quit. I feel like something that I've noticed is that the older generation, it's not that they don't believe in something or whatever, they just are lazy like they just don't want to take the time to put it into action and it's like we'll do it like i'm sure your sister and your cousin i'm sure they would do it but they need permission from this older generation that's like "Eh, it's fine it's sort of kind of not really working but it's working enough that we're just going to leave it as is and it's like just just give us hand over the reins and we'll we'll take care of it we got it thank you they, and this is what I told my sister, they lack their give a shit. They have no give a shit. Nope. They do not give a shit. They don't give a flying fuck. They don't give a darn toot. They do not care. And that is so problematic. If you don't give a shit, go do something that doesn't affect somebody's life. Or that doesn't involve children. Exactly. Like these Who rely have, on us. Exactly. They are defenseless little buggers who do not know anything except for what we tell them and what we can do for them. And if you don't give a shit about them and how they turn out in life and the life that they lead, get the fuck out. Because if you don't care, they also do not care. A lot of the time. They're not... If they don't have somebody actively pushing them to do more and to... I like the whole, I don't know, whatever, I don't remember the saying. Something about, like, your potential, like, for achieving your, no, that's not right. You are what you eat? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but, like, just saying that they're capable of a lot more than the effort that they might be showing because they, they don't know that they can do more. Yes, this is the only thing that they know. So, if they don't have someone supporting them, they're going to be like, meh, whatever. I'm okay. Yeah. And it, if, if you don't give a shit as the only person that can lead them down that path and be the only caring adult that they have, who else is supposed to give a shit about them? Every kid needs one caring adult, and if they don't have that in their home, they need it from you, their teacher, their mentor, their guide. And that's, it's so sad when, when older people don't give a shit. And it's all up to us, the younger generation, to give a shit. Like I said, if you don't give a shit about your job, go do something that doesn't affect somebody's entire life. Just, just go do something else. Go write books for a living or something. Go sell things in retail or... Just not something that affects an entire human being's life. Because if you're not going to be there to help up with them, somebody else needs to be there that can do that. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're not fit for the job. Period. Point blank. Anyway, that's my (laughs) hot take on old burnout people. Old or young. Honestly, if you hate your job, go do something else. Um, and that kind of leads me into the next thing of, like, what 
trauma I think is going to look like and like what can be done in the trauma field now which I think it's really interesting to think of a world where almost every person in walk and every walk of life knows something about trauma and that what they do in the world can have a really gnarly effect on other people. So, um, I think where it is now is we are at like the tip of the trauma iceberg and we are starting to explore the different kinds of trauma and the fact of the matter that trauma is not just huge life-altering events that you are cognitively aware of. A lot of trauma is suppressed. A lot of trauma is being dealt with in a way that you probably don't even know. Uh, the other thing that I think is really interesting with trauma is that it's being uh, thought of as a thing that not only affects your mental health, but it also affects your physical health, your gut health, your overall well-being. If you have a lot of unprocessed trauma, um, it's being linked to autoimmune diseases and just an overall like low immune system and high sick rate. High, I, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but like you're sick a lot because your body is trying to do multiple things and it's not at its best. It's not where it needs to be. It's it's stuck. Um, and there's also a lot of research that's going into a whole bunch of different kinds of trauma. There's adoption trauma, which is fascinating. There's ABEs, which are um, baby traumas, babyhood traumas, traumatic births and how that affects an infant and their development into their later years. Um, there's also like, you know, childhood trauma, but like, what is childhood trauma and what's not? If trauma is a constant state of being in a fight or flight response and cortisol being released into your brain, you don't know what kind of an effect, an effect any event has on a baby. If they have a low stress tolerance, then they're always in that fight or flight. And the smallest little thing can set them off. And it's not necessarily the size or the magnitude of the event. It is how the brain processes the event because cortisol wipes that shit clean and reroutes so much shit if it's being released into the brain for an extended period of time. So it's it's seeing those effects on trauma and seeing those effects on personality and how a kid develops that I think we're kind of lacking of like, we understand that big trauma is big trauma, but like what's little trauma? And what are the little things that can affect a kid? And what are the things that can have a similar trauma response in adults? That kind of stuff. It's not just like PTSD and stuff like that. It's like big picture time. It's all the little pieces coming together. That being said, I think that there's going to be a shit ton of work of getting trauma and trauma-informed care moved into schools. And I think that might be when we're closer to our 30s? We're only 22 now, so I kind of hope not, but... It's a little ways away still, That is a little ways away. I'm hoping by, like, the time we're 25 that uh, that push is being made 
but I would say the latest it'll be when we're like near our 30s. I would hope that like our children will have trauma-informed care actively used in their school at all points in time. I hope so. Um, as far as like my future in trauma, I am getting my postgraduate certificate in trauma counseling and I am finishing up my trying to finish up my grad school applications to be uh, basically a trauma social worker which I think is going to be super duper neat um, but I hope to continue to push the movement forward what about you Allie where do you think you're going with trauma um I mean I just think being able to, like for me, to recognize that many of the families that I'm working with might have a negative experience linked to CPS. So when I am assigned, when I'm making contact with these families, it's not me, it's the past, it's just their experience and I just need to be able to understand that and just be really transparent with them and try to make it better I guess for the future because I don't there's not a whole lot that I can do for the past like that's things that have happened and it's really unfortunate if it was a bad experience but that wasn't me that was a different worker that was a different situation and so just trying to I think build to the future and I don't know. I, there's a lot that I can learn still about trauma, for sure. I wouldn't say that I'm an expert by no means. <laughs> um, I have heard a lot of terms, like re-traumatization, like that's something that we, I mean, that's basically what I was just talking about. So, like, like avoiding re-traumatization. Yeah, so I mean, estimate. like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I am aware of when it comes to trauma, but... I'm excited to hear about some more specific ones, and hopefully I can put all of that into practice. I don't know if Allie is prepared for the amount of knowledge that is going to be just slam dunked on her, because this is, this, I have spent many a days just breathing in trauma information and stuff like that. And you have no idea. I spent like literally the entire month of September this year learning about trauma because I had nothing else to fucking do with my time because my job was very slow. So I just sat and learned about trauma for hours and hours and hours. I shit you not, eight hours a day for a <laughs> month I learned about trauma, which then sent me into a spiraling mental health time, which was not good, but... And that's it was too much trauma it was too it was too much <laughs> so I had to dig myself out of that hole and now I'm back I'm back on my trauma bus I am continuing to learn but doing it in a way that's palatable and not doom and gloom all day long because it does get very doom and gloom so um yeah I'm very excited to just bring so much information to the table and learn a lot myself as well because I know that there is more out there for me to learn, and I am constantly trying more. to learn. There's unfortunately, always more. there's always more. Fortunately and unfortunately. Mm -hmm. 
Like, it's good that we know, but it's sad that it's happening. And it's 2022 and, and we're yes. just learning about it. Yes. That is also quite unfortunate. Yeah. So, I think I, I see social work going into the approach that Allie was saying and doing it to an even further extent of not just informing their social workers about um, re-traumatization and like separating a family's reaction to you from their actual feelings because they might not dislike you as a person but they're terrified of what has happened to them in the past Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily them that's their trauma and it's a response that can be unlearned but it takes time and it takes patience so um I think that people like the parents for parents will be parents supporting parents will be more common of like people who have been through that trauma Mm -hmm. coming out with social workers and talking with the families so that the families know immediately that they are in safe hands and that you can trust the person in front of them because they they probably don't trust you. I wonder if that's something that they can put into place because so like when we do some of our interviews we have like a child advocate Mm-hmm. present and in court you have a GAL which is a person appointed to represent the child's best interests mm-hmm. so like there's all these different things but it'd be pretty neat I would say to have someone there specifically for the parents there to support them obviously it's still going to have an impact on the kids mm-hmm. but I just I think that would be so cool yeah because I, I all adults were kids at one point in time mm-hmm. and and not all adults know how to process the information. They don't have the knowledge to be able to understand why their reactions are the reactions that they have. And help having somebody help them and guide them through it who has been there and who now has come out on the other side and knows why they were reacting the way they were could be so helpful and so life-changing for some of those people that just need a helping hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that trauma-informed care is going to be growing. And trauma-informed care is so important. And it's not just going to be growing in, like, a big, huge, like, exponential changes. It's going to be growing in just the way that people talk to one another. Um, and have you seen this episode of Buffy? Did you watch the first season? I don't know if I finished it or not. The first season? I don't know. I was watching it a whole bunch, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then you got busy. It's so good. <laughs> you need to finish it. Me and Maxwell finished the second season last night. But in the second episode of Buffy, Buffy grabs Cordelia by the throat on accident, kind of. And Cordelia goes... Ah, what is your childhood trauma? And I have to tell you, that's like the least trauma-informed line I think I've ever heard. My jaw hit the fucking floor when I heard that. It's it's stuff like that that is going to become more trauma-informed of like, you're not just going to be able to walk up to somebody and be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, what's your issue as a professional? It's, it's, that's just not going to fly anymore, I don't think. And you're going to treat coworkers like that. You're going to treat clients like that. You're going to start seeing a lot of that, like, movement into trauma-informed care in every aspect. 
Um, trauma-informed care is not, like, super-duper specific to anything. How do you use trauma-informed care? Um, um, well, I mean, it kind of goes back to, like, what I was saying before, just being able to understand how our presence can just automatically invoke a response and it's sometimes a negative response and that can either cause new trauma because like if I'm coming in and I have to take a kid in that Mm -hmm. moment that is very traumatizing and very upsetting for a child so being able to do that in like the least intrusive way possible so like letting the parents pack a bag for their child letting them say goodbye say i'll see you soon whatever they can do giving them that opportunity to like comfort their child can really be super impactful and super helpful for us doing our job for the family themselves so like there's that aspect of it and then just as you're going along in your case being able to try to put yourself in a parent's shoes and be able to understand where they're coming from and still keeping in mind this is like one of the things that we're like told constantly like the parents the families are the experts of themselves like they know what's worked for them in the past what maybe hasn't worked for them in the past and just because I think I know everything doesn't mean I do like I can have an idea of something that's going to be great for this family and in reality they might absolutely hate it and it might cause more issues so like just giving them the chance to share ideas and their thoughts and hearing them out and I don't know just overall being trying to partner with the families instead of having like that hierarchy like I'm in charge I'm doing what I'm gonna do and you're gonna listen kind of thing Yeah, you're not walking in there breaking down the door and making demands. No. You're knocking on the door politely and telling them that you are here to support them and help them through this. Yeah, so just, I don't know, understanding how things have been done in the past in this profession and doing everything we possibly can to not continue that trend and to move away from that, I think is, like... the the biggest thing but we need to learn and grow it's time and i i really do think we have for sure Mm -hmm. there's there's always room for improvement and i i don't know like i i feel like so far i've done a pretty good job i'm sure maybe family could maybe disagree i don't know they haven't said anything yet so i guess that's kind of a good sign I, but there's, I would say so. There's going to be a day that I might say something that I shouldn't have, and I've already had to, like, go back and be like, I'm really sorry. This was wrong. I sh- shouldn't have said that. It was apparent. I don't know. They wanted to, like, text them or something, and at the time, we had, like, a no contact, so technically they shouldn't have. It wasn't that in the world, but I guess on me being able to go back and correct something if I did it wrong, and mm-hmm. I don't know. You're a human. Still a growing, like, a learning experience for me, too, so. Yeah. And trauma-informed care, I think, is just going to become the approach of, like, 
walking into every conversation and experience and interaction that you have with somebody that you assume that they have trauma and you don't walk up to them and be like hi my name's Libby what's your trauma it's I did that to an intern on accident and I was like I didn't mean for that to come across like that but I did very literally ask her what her trauma was but what I meant to ask <laughs> and what was going on in my brain was hi nice to meet you do you have any experience working with trauma because I'm going to do a trauma training with you and what come out came out of my mouth was hi what's your trauma and I was like <laughs> I sorry I don't I didn't mean that don't answer that Oopsie. question and I don't I her eyes got like as big around as apples she like, and she was like I've never had somebody ask me that and I was like yeah don't answer that question I, I, that just came out of my mouth I didn't mean to say it just to ignore it uh we're moving on we're moving <laughs> on but I think those kinds of interactions were and or are still kind of normal to be like what's your deal like what what's your damage what what happened oh, to you definitely and I don't think that's cool I don't think that's good what about when kids ask each other that because I feel like that's something that I definitely have noticed that like even at my last job they'd be like well what happened to you like why are you here and I we always are like you don't have to tell them if you want to you can mm -hmm. like that's your choice mm -hmm. and try to kind of steer them away but I don't know I always thought we're really nosy as like people oh my god <laughs> yes so it's like you almost just automatically think that you are entitled to yeah to any and all information mm -hmm. no. and that's just not how it works no if someone doesn't want to tell you something they don't have to and kids just... are so bad with that though. I know <laughs> kids are so like... bad with that I, I was working with the kid today oh, I he was. goes it's okay. how old are you even I was like, like I'm 22 <laughs> he was like you're how are you 22 I was like you're 10 what do you mean <laughs> And he was like, you don't seem like you're 22. I was like, Thanks, I'm not going to ask you how old you think I am because I don't want my feelings to I don't want to fucking know. <laughs> I think he thought I was like 16 and that just wouldn't make any sense to my brain because I am... Kids are so silly sometimes. They are <laughs> so silly sometimes. They're like perceptions on like people's age and stuff are kind of hysterical yeah like you don't know a pop culture reference and automatically you're like 50 yeah like, <laughs> like i'm pretty sure i said the word yeet in an expression the other day just because i heard a podcast say yeet and it really made my brain fixate on the word <laughs> yeet and he goes i thought you were 22 i was like i am he goes, oh, but you said yeet. That's so old. I was like, sorry. Is it? I just heard it on a podcast. I don't actively say the word yeet because I've heard so many 13-year-olds say the word yeet that I just want to yeet it out a window, but. Fair. That is fair. I, 
it was so taken aback by being called old <laughs> for saying the word yeet, I just didn't know what to say at that point. But even that, like, those kinds of expressions I think are going to be gone, I imagine. So yeah, those are kind of mostly my thoughts on trauma because this is going to be led by me. And I am super duper mega ultra excited to kind of take you guys on a journey with me. Allie is going to be doing her uh, main episodes. Now bringing trauma into it or bringing trauma in. I don't remember. We'll Just see. a mixture. We'll see how it We'll see. Out. We'll see. We, it's, we, we definitely have a plan. Uh, we definitely have a very. It's just a surprise plan. for you. Yes, it's a It's an an surprise. Yeah, it's an surprise. Exactly. What the fuck word am I trying to say right now? It's a surprise for you. It's a surprise for me, and maybe even it's a surprise for Allie. But nevertheless, I'm not gonna admit to anything. <laughs> no matter who the episode surprises, <laughs> you can find us here every Tuesday and Thursday. The Tuesday episodes. Jeez Louise. I'm It's geez. time for bed. It's definitely time for bed. The Tuesday episodes are the mini little bite-sized ones. The Thursday ones are the mega ones. They are I'm working on it. It is what it is. Uh you can also find us on Instagram. You can find us anywhere you like to listen. Um Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever your heart desires. We now officially have a listener that's in Australia, which is actually odd and insane to me for some reason um so shout out to that person and we also still are maintaining our two listeners on anchor going strong (laughs) so um yeah on any of those platforms mostly apple Podcasts, rate review and subscribe and we will talk to you guys in the next one have a fantastic day, month, week, year, minute, second, it doesn't matter. Just have a good one. Bye. Bye.